Hey, everybody, you're listening to A New Beginning, which is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. If this program has impacted you, I'd love to hear from you. So just send an email to me at greg at harvest.org. Again, it's greg at harvest.org. You can learn more about becoming a Harvest Partner by going to harvest.org. Some days the sky is blue. Other days the sky is falling. Pastor Greg Laurie says challenges are normal and expected. Storms will come in every life. Sometimes it's a health issue. Sometimes it's a marital problem. Sometimes it's a kid problem. Sometimes it's a legal problem. Sometimes it's a threat against your very life. But here's the good news. If you built your life on Jesus Christ, you'll be able to get through the storm. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. The Christian life isn't constant rainbows and butterflies. It's not bliss, bling, and bemusement. We shouldn't promise that kind of life in our presentation of the gospel. We need to be honest. Sometimes trials come our way, but the Lord is with us in the midst of them and will help bring us through them. We'll learn more today on A New Beginning as Pastor Greg continues our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's timeless insight that stretches right into the 21st century. How many of you like to go to the beach? Raise your hand. You love the beach. How many of you like the mountains more than the beach? You're more of a mountain person. Okay. Well, I'm more of a beach person. But I think, as I've thought about it, maybe I like the idea of the beach more than actually going to the beach. I like the idea of it like, oh, I'm going to go to the beach today. So I load up my beach chair. I've got my sunscreen. I've got my sunglasses. I've got my headphones or AirPods or whatever. I've got some music to listen to. I've got tons of books to read. I'm always dragging books wherever I go. Maybe have a little lunch. I've got my towel. So I go down to the beach and I set everything up. There's the towel. Here's the books. Here's everything. All right, this is great. I just love the sound of the ocean and there's no one around me. But then, you know, I get hot. So I have to go in the water. But the water is so cold in California, right? So I go in partially and maybe I get all the way in. And, and then while I'm in the water, I look, a seagull is now flying off with my lunch. And if that's not bad enough, he's wearing my sunglasses to add insult to injury. And maybe he leaves one little final parting gift on my towel just so I know he was there. And then so I return to my towel now and I sit down. And why is it that if there's an entire beach with all these places to go, someone pulls their towel up right next to me. Even touching my towel. That should be illegal. Don't touch my towel. Their towel's touching a little bit. And you know, there, and I always have the person that's having the conversation on the phone very loudly on speaker. So I'm hearing what the other person is saying and what they're saying or another person with a loud obnoxious music. Okay, well enough complaining. That's some of the things I like and dislike. Mostly dislike about the beach. Here's what I do like about the beach. I like to go with my grandkids and build sandcastles with them. Now I'm not a great sandcastle builder. <laughs> Fill a bucket with sand, turn it upside down, boom, that's it. 
I might go to the next level, put a few shells on it, maybe dig a little moat around it, right? But there's other people who build elaborate sandcastles. Um, to me, this seems like the biggest waste of time ever. <laughs> you say, why? Because that tide's gonna rise and it's gonna wash it away or some little three-year-old kid, most likely a boy, the moment you're not looking is going to come and destroy your sandcastle. So it's not a good idea to build something on sand. So I want to talk about two kinds of people as we wrap this up. I'm going to even give them names. Rocky and Sandy. Right? Rocky, he builds his house on a firm foundation of stone. Sandy, however, she's built on the shifting uh, seashore. And so We'll find out who's who when the storms come. And when you get down to it, every one of us builds our life on something. We all have a set of values that we live by. Even people that say they have no values actually have values of some kind. We have a philosophy, uh, something we think is true. That is the foundation of our life. So here's the question. Will your foundation sustain you when the storms of life come? Because the storms of life will come your way in one way, shape, or form. And sometimes one storm will follow another even. So here's how you'll really know what your life is built on. If you build it on sand, you'll crumble. If you build it on rock, you will be strong. All right, let's read these final words of Jesus. Matthew 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. He is like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes in torrents, notice it doesn't say if, it says though. In other words, it will happen. And the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. He's like a person who builds a house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. We'll stop there. So now we have this final contrast of two guys building houses. And you know what? They probably looked exactly the same. They had the same floor plan. They had the same landscaping. They had the same car in the driveway. They have the same dog even, the same kind of dog, right? But here's the big difference. One represents a believer, the one who hears the word of God and does it. The other represents effectively a non-believer, but we'll call him a pseudo-believer, who hears the word of God and does not do it. What I mean by a pseudo-believer is he appears to be a believer, but actually he is not. So this is not a non-believer that never goes to church. This is a person that could be sitting next to you in a seat. And they have a Bible that looks just like your Bible. And they know the words of the same songs you know. And when you pray, they pray. And everything looks good. But then one day you find out that person is, well, they've been living a double life. And they haven't been a believer at all. But they look like one and you thought they were one. And the difference is hearing the word and doing it and hearing the word and not doing it. So which one are you? Here's how you'll know the difference. Verse 25. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise. Look, storms 
will come in every life. And when I say storm, I'm using it as a metaphor for trouble. Right? Trouble's gonna come into every life. Sometimes it's a health issue. Sometimes it's a marital problem. Sometimes it's a kid problem. Sometimes it's a legal problem. Sometimes it's a threat against your very life. So many things can qualify as a storm or a trial, whatever you want to call it. But storms come into every life. And you know, now we have hurricanes. We named them, right? I actually came across a list of all the hurricanes of days gone by and all the ones that are coming. They have an alphabetical list. And here's what the next hurricane's gonna be named. So I was looking over the list and some I recognize. Of course, we all remember Hurricane Andrew. That was a big one, devastating one. Hurricane Katrina. I was over on the islands of Hawaii when Hurricane Niki hit. That was a big one as well. But then they had some storm names. I thought, seriously, these are storm names? There was one, Hurricane Larry. <laughs> it's just something not frightening about Hurricane Larry is coming. Larry, really? Then there's another one, Hurricane Fabian. <laughs> Fabian. I thought, why not Hurricane Fabio, man? <laughs> Long blonde hair, come on. And then the, here's one of my favorites, Hurricane Kirk. That just is not threatening. Here comes Hurricane Kirk. Oh, wow. Right? So whatever you name it, if that hurricane's coming your way, if that storm's coming your way, it's real. And it's not any fun. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, our present troubles are quite small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce in us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. Not a great glory, a great glory. <laughs> so don't look at the troubles you can see right now. Rather look forward to what you have not yet seen. For the troubles you see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Listen, these storms... Sometimes they're tidal waves of temptation. And other times it's a slow eroding effect of more subtle methods. It can be persecution, tragedy, a major disappointment, but it is going to come. But here's the good news. If you've built your life on Jesus Christ, you'll be able to get through the storm. And not only will you get through the storm, you'll be stronger because of the storm. But if you've not built your life on Jesus Christ, you will not weather those storms at all. So that's why we want to build our life on a good foundation. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here. You know, my uncle, Fred Jordan, had one of the first Christian TV programs out there. It was called Church in the Home. I remember watching it as a little boy when I was living with my grandparents. Well, we have church in the home for you every weekend. It's called Harvest at Home, and you can find it at harvest.org. We have worship and a message from God's Word. So join us this weekend for Harvest at Home at harvest.org. Well, Pastor Greg continues his encouraging presentation about surviving our life storms called the foundation of life. Let's listen. And I was interviewed the other day and uh, this uh, person interviewing me asked me if I ever had a moment in my life where uh, you know, I had doubts or I was questioning. And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I did. I don't know if I'd qualify it as a doubt, but it, it was very hard. And it was, of course, when our son died. And the question I asked was, why? 
And not so much why did it happen to me, though I have to admit I ask that, but I really ask more why did it happen to him? You know, he was 33 years old. He had fallen away from the Lord for a time, recommitted his life to Christ, was married, had a beautiful daughter and uh, another one on the way. And he was actually serving the Lord with his ability as a graphic artist working at our church and was on his way to church and was in a uh, auto collision and he died. And you know, when something like that happens, you ask the why question. And I think sometimes we feel like, wow, I, I, you know, I must have no faith in God because I'm asking why. Some preachers won't tell you this. I'll tell you this. There's nothing wrong with asking God why. It's okay. Hey, don't expect an answer, but ask away. <laughs> right? Because if God were to answer you, if God were to say, okay, I'm going to tell you why now. You ready for it? Write it down. We probably wouldn't like it. We'd probably disagree with it. Or some other thing. So you can ask God why. Even Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So I asked why for a while. And there was no satisfactory answer. So I fell back to another issue. Two other W's. What and who? Let's start with who. All right. I don't know why. I don't know how the answer to why. Who? As in who do I turn to? Well, I don't turn to a bottle, and I'm not going to turn to drugs, and I'm not going to turn to something else. So I'm going to turn to Jesus Christ. He's the one who sustains me. That's the who. And the what. The what as in what am I supposed to do? Amen. You know, I would have never written the script for myself, but God has allowed it in my life, and I don't understand why. And He does say He causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose. Therefore, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I determined that I could not waste my pain. I was in pain. And I thought, maybe I can help other people. So I became uh, a member of a club I never wanted to join, a club of people who've lost children. And, and I realized that God had given me a platform to speak both to them and for them. To them and for them. So, you know, when you've lost a child, you can speak authoritatively to somebody else who's lost a child. They'll listen to you because they know you've gone through it. Just like if you're a cancer survivor, you can speak more authoritatively to someone who just found out they have cancer than someone who's never had it before, right? And that's true of many things in life. When you've gone through it, people will listen to you because you've been there. So you can have that platform and you can bring words of perspective and encouragement. But then I speak for these people and remind folks that, hey, if you meet somebody who's lost a loved one, especially a child, don't ever ask them, are they over it yet? That's never an appropriate question ever. I had actually had someone ask me that like two weeks after our son died. He, I ran into him on the street and he goes, oh yeah, I'm really sad about your son. Are you over that yet? I just, I'll be over it after I kill you, maybe. No, I didn't think that. But you know, what an insensitive thing to say, seriously. And I've had every weird thing said to me so I know what it's like to be on the receiving end by well-meaning Christians that don't know what the heck they're talking about. And I think we feel as Christians we always have to have an answer for everything. We have to have a scripture for everything. And sometimes the best thing you can do is literally say nothing. Sometimes the best thing to say to someone who's suffering would be something along the lines of, I have no idea what it's like to go through what you're going through right now, but I want you to know I'm praying for you and I'm here for you. You know, could I do something for you? Could I pick you up a bite to eat? Could I 
run an errand for you or, or just do some other practical thing. I'm just here for you. I don't have sermons for you, but I have friendship for you. Now, there's a time for those words of encouragement. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes we just don't know what we're saying to these people. And so we have to be sensitive to that. But look, storms are gonna come. But here's the good news about a storm. A storm is a beginning, a middle, and an end. Some of you are just pulling into a storm, a hardship, you're going, oh man, when is this thing? Oh, is this gonna be a long one? This is, I don't wanna do this. Some of you are in the middle. Is Oh, this has been going on forever. When's it gonna stop? And some of you are just pulling out. <sighs> so glad that's in my rear view mirror. Oh no, what's that on the horizon? Sometimes storms come in stages. Sometimes storms come and they take a hard turn. Over in Hawaii, a big storm was coming their way not long ago. A hurricane, I forgot the name of it. But, um, and so they were all getting ready because they're saying there's going to be a bad storm. And what is the deal with these weather people? They just, three drops of rain hit the ground. National emergency. You know, they're just breathlessly reporting. We're here now waiting for the storm to come. And you know, and anyway, so they thought this huge storm was gonna devastate Hawaii and it was coming and it was building and it came right their direction and just kind of turned and gave them a little bit of a storm and they were fine. And then the funny thing is a little bit later another storm came they didn't even expect and that probably did more damage than the first storm. So that's just like life, isn't it? Here it comes, here it comes, and then it doesn't come. Oh, boom, now here comes another I didn't expect. Right, weren't we supposed to have had a big storm yesterday? Yeah, what happened to that? You wanna know how to get it to rain? It's very simple. Wash your car. Just always, it always works for me. I don't know about you. Storms are gonna come. They have a beginning, they have a middle, they have an end. God will get you through your storms if you're built on Jesus Christ because it comes down to this. When you're going through these storms, you're gonna learn a little bit because character is not made in crisis, it is revealed. Let me repeat that. Character is not made in crisis, it's revealed. The storm reveals who you are and what kind of faith you have. Sometimes people go through a hardship or a tragedy in their childhood. And they'll say, well, that shook my faith. That's why I turned against God. Because this hard thing happened to me when I was young. So I, I lost my faith. Well, good. <laughs> Lose that faith. Because it comes down to this. A faith that can't be shaken is a faith that has been shaken. And maybe one of the reasons you lost your faith is you never had faith in God. So put your faith in God because hardship will come in life but the good news is God will be there to sustain you. Now you know there might be someone here at church tonight that is here because something has happened to you. Bad. Maybe you face the consequences of some dumb decision you made. Maybe some other thing has taken place. Maybe a doctor gave you bad news. Maybe it's something else. You got fired at your job or you know something happened and it, you know you broke up with your girlfriend or your, your husband walked out. And I don't know whatever it is but something happened you thought I need to get to church and you feel a little embarrassed like you know I, I don't feel this is right. You know I, well, hey, you've come to the right place. I'm glad you're here. This is the best place to come at all times but especially if you're suffering. Because the church is a place to get healed. It's a hospital for sinners. And it's a place for the saints to get patched up too. Some say, well that's weakness. Christianity is a crutch. Oh, Christianity is more than a crutch. It's a wheelchair. It's, it's everything. <laughs> Emergency room. 
Everything you need, it's there in a relationship with God. And there should be no shame in anyone ever admitting they need God's help. And so if you've had a difficulty that's got you to church, God bless you for coming here. Because Jesus has what you need. And so we want to close with this. It really comes down to knowing God. Not knowing about God. Knowing God. Whoever hears these things of mine and does them. He's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. That's rocky. Whoever hears these things of mine and does not do them. He's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. That's Sandy. Who are you? Rocky or Sandy? What are you built on? And do you have the guaranteed hope that if you died you would go to heaven? That is only the hope of the follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus who gave these teachings went and died on a cross for our sin and then he rose again from the dead and he stands at the door of each of our lives and he knocks and says if we'll hear his voice and open the door he will come in. So I want to close with a prayer and an invitation. An invitation for you to believe in Jesus. An invitation for you to be forgiven of all of your sin. An invitation for you to know God. Not know about God. Know God. A relationship a friendship, and much more. So if you need this relationship with God, if you want to know you'll go to heaven when you die, if you want to be ready for the Lord's return, respond to this invitation as we close now in prayer. Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for the promise of scripture. Now I pray for any person here who does not yet know you. Help them to see their need for you and help them to come to you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an invitation to get your heart right with the Lord. And if you'd like to do that today, Pastor Greg will help you in just a moment before today's edition of A New Beginning concludes. But if you missed any portion of today's study, a message called The Foundation of Life, you can hear the whole program again online at harvest.org or download an MP3. And again, that's at harvest.org. Well, it's such a privilege to have a good friend here in the studio with us today. He's retired cold case detective J. Warner Wallace, Jim Wallace. And he's just finished his latest book called Person of Interest, Why Jesus Still Matters in a World that Rejects the Bible. He investigates the person of Christ using his training and skill as a detective. It's, it's a unique look at the faith. And, you know, Jim, your book is so full of facts, cold, hard facts. But when people come to the Lord, they come by faith. So how does a factual case support a faith decision? Well, that's what we do. In jury trials, we're constantly saying, hey, we're going to give you enough good evidence to make the proper inference about what happened, even though you are still going to have unanswered questions. If you're the kind of person who has can't make a decision on a jury with unanswered questions, we're not going to impanel you. We're going to leave you off the jury because we know we're not going to be able to answer every question. We'll be able to answer enough, though, mm. to leave you with a smaller step of trust that for your inference. What we do in Christianity is the same way. Jesus did the same thing. He said, you know, if you don't believe on the, of what I was told you, at least believe on the evidence of these miracles. He says mm -hmm. this in the Gospel of John. He provides evidence 
at every turn. He 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 heals, then he heralds. Why why is it in that order? Mm. Why do I why do I need to do this first to demonstrate the authority I have? Because the words I'm about to say, I've already laid the foundation mm-hmm. for them evidentially. Mm. When when John the Baptist is starting to struggle, right? He sends his disciples to Jesus. Jesus could easily tell those disciples of John the Baptist, go back and tell John, he should know better. He's my cousin for crying out loud. He left in the womb when our parents met. You know, he baptized me. He saw the descending of the really John should know better. No, what he does is he he reminds the disciples of John the Baptist of the miracles he has worked in front of them. Go back and tell John. Go back and remind John. That's Mm -hmm. evidence. That's called indirect evidence, right? The evidence of miracles. Jesus constantly does this, even though we know that that evidence, and I know this too, I don't expect to argue somebody into the kingdom. What I want to do is help people to kind of remove the barriers they've constructed Mm. for themselves Mm. so that when they hear the gospel— it's available to them. And so I think the kind of work we do is just to kind of till the soil. We are mm-hmm. preparing the ground. for. And I know that for me personally, you could have done this all day long. It would have been useless. But at some point, God first acted to change the nature of my heart so I would pay attention to the case at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. Nobody. I was prayed into that position by people who loved me enough to pray for me and God's spirit moved in me and it was all God, top down. But at the same time, when we... Uh, take time to make a case. We're kind of like basically like preaching the gospel. I needed to hear the case that way. I needed to hear that evidential case before I would listen to the gospel. And so, as that was how, that's how I became a Christian. I became a Christian by examining the gospels as if they were eyewitness accounts to see if they were reliable. And that helped me to to tear down the walls that I had constructed, mm-hmm. so that when I read what the New Testament said about Jim Wallace, about my need for a savior. I was able to actually respond. Wow. Those are just some of the insights that you'll find reading this brand new book from Jay Warner Wallace, a former cold case detective. And the title of the book is Person of Interest, subtitled Why Jesus Still Matters in a World that Rejects the Bible. Yeah, this is the kind of insight that helps strengthen our own faith, and it offers such practical help in sharing our faith with others on their level. And we'd like to send you Person of Interest to thank you for your investment so a new beginning can continue coming your way each day. So send your donation today to A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or call 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. Well, Pastor Greg, you mentioned how someone can become a Christian with just a simple prayer. That's right. Maybe somebody would like to do that right now. Could you help them with that? Sure. I'd love to. A simple prayer is right. In fact, I would like to just pray a prayer, and I would ask you to pray it after me right now. Pray these words, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, but I also know that you are the Savior because you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for answering this prayer, Lord. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, I want you to know on the authority of Scripture God Almighty has heard your prayer, and he will answer this prayer. You are now a newly minted 
child of God. So congratulations, you've made the right decision, and welcome to the family of God. I want to send you a special gift because of that prayer you've just prayed. It's called the New Believers Growth Packet, and in it is a copy of the New Testament in a very understandable translation called the New Living Translation. It also is filled with hundreds of notes that I wrote that will encourage you in this commitment you've made to follow Christ. And there's some other outstanding materials in this little packet I'll send you as well. So order your copy today, and let me be the first to say to you, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. Yeah, and to get that New Believers Growth Packet, just get in touch, and we'll be glad to send it right out. You can write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or call us at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org and click the words, Know God. Well, next time, Pastor Greg brings some of his most powerful insights on personal evangelism. So many don't share their faith because they don't feel they know enough to do a good job. Well, all that changes for us starting next time here on A New Beginning. Be sure to tune in. Thanks for listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Sign up for daily devotions and learn how to become a Harvest Partner at harvest.org.